0: This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I want to speak to you about something this morning that I'm very excited about and I'm looking forward to because it's something that's been heavy on me, not in a bad way, but it's been very much in the foreground of of where I am right at the moment. And I think it's something that will really bless you. And i i really believe that this is going to change your work walk with god it's completely changed my dynamic and my paradigm of things and anyway so let's just get into it but i want to speak to you this morning about how to walk with god how to walk with god are you with me this morning okay so you, you have to be. You have to give give me encouragement, so I don't fall asleep up here. Okay, just let me know you're with me every now and again. Like set off a firecracker or wave a hand or something. You know, so it's, it's all is good. So I'm going to read to you. I'm going to read. Um, from 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 16, and I'm going to, I haven't got a lot of time to read through everything, so you can read it if you want to, but I want to read specific verses. I'm going to read from verse 1, 6 and 7, and 10 to 13. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. When Samuel arrived... He saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Verses 10 to 13. Then Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and he had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David." Okay, so let's just jump in and go. Something that I think we sometimes lose focus on in the story is Samuel. The thing is, we focus so much on David because David really is the subject of everything. But I want to talk for a moment about Samuel. And Samuel's important in in the equation because of this. Samuel starts off, and the, the chapter starts off, Samuel having a discussion with God. Samuel had the presence of God with him. But the presence of God was so tangible and so real to Samuel that Samuel lived in conversation with God. This is not God from somewhere distant, like I'm just sending a moment and having prayer and hoping something happens. Samuel is, li- is living in this place where God is with him and he's conversing with him. His reality and, and his um, his awareness of God's presence with him is so strong that he's living from an interaction in that place and he's dialoguing with God and God's sitting saying, what's your problem? Get over some stuff. Okay. Get over Saul. Let's move to the next chapter. And he's talking to him and he says, I want you to know something. I've got a plan. I've got a plan. I want you to get what I'm going to give you and I want you to take it and execute it. So he gives him his will. And he says, my will is going to introduce you to purpose. What I want you to do is I want you to go and identify the next king of Israel and I want for you to anoint him Those are the two most powerful things that you can ever have in your life if you want to walk into your destiny the presence and the will the presence and the will Samuel has the presence of God, and the presence of God introduces the will of God in that moment. And the moment the will of God is known to Samuel, Samuel already realizes, hold on a second, I have a purpose in front of me. There is something that I need to fulfill in the earth that he's calling me to do, and so I need to go ahead and be true to his word. The thing about it is, in the place that he lives, it's not just about being aware of what the will is, but it's partnering with the God who's with him to be able to fulfill that. He goes down and he meets with Jesse and he's sitting with Jesse and he's living in partnership with the presence because the presence is with him. The presence is there to fulfill God's purpose. We don't get to walk into God's purpose and we never realize our destiny unless we're living in partnership with the presence. Knowing God's will isn't good enough. The thing about it is you're going to have to walk God's will out in your life, and the and the ability to be able to walk God's will out in our life is completely dependent on whether I have a relationship with Him or not. My ability to be able to recognize His presence with me, interact with that and live from that place is not only something which is conceptual, it should be living and dynamic. That is where we should be every day. He moves into the space with Jesse, and he 's operating right at the moment because he 's fulfilling purpose, and as he 's fulfilling purpose he 's living in a place in partnership with God. God is there in presence spiritually, but Samuel is there in presence physically. We call to live in partnership with God to live under his directing and his influence. And he's walking along and he's having a look and he says to Jesse, let me just see your sons. And he begins to look at at what Jesse has to present to him. And Jesse says, here they are. And he starts looking at everything and he goes, yes, this one. And then he has a look and he says, this must be the one. This must be the one. Because look at his fine appearance. And God says, no, that's not the one. The thing is, you're looking at his outward appearance, but I'm working at his heart. Let me just take a quick diversion here because I want to speak about that for a minute. The thing about it, and what's so important for us to recognize in that space, is that your appearance is going to be the product of your history and your present. But your future is going to be defined by your heart. In God's economy, your appearance is inconsequential. Why? Because you're not the source of your future. He is. So everything that you bring to the party in that place, any training that you've had, any experience that you've got, any knowledge that you've got, any skills that you have, any abilities that you have are great and they're wonderful. And it's not to deride them and it's not to take away from those things. You take them and you continue to walk them out in your life. The point of the matter is God's not in that space. God wants you to recognize that he's going to operate from a different dimension. And unless we're able to operate from the same dimension as God, what ends up happening is we're talking at cross purposes. I'm trying to fulfill my purpose out of my abilities and my knowledge, and he's called me to fulfill my purpose out of him as the source of my life. The reason that your heart is so important is because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Everything that God wants to do in your life is as a result of who he is spiritually. And the reason that God looks at your heart is because your heart speaks to the fundamentals that are so consequential about us being able to recognize the things of God, engage the things of God, and introduce the things of God. It gets down to your beliefs, your trusts, and who you are as a person. What do you believe? What we believe is so consequential because it sets the parameters for my life and what I allow into that space to begin to give definition to how I see life, how I view life, how I see and view myself. Everything that I believe becomes so important, but it lives in my heart. It's not only my beliefs, but what do you trust? All of us trust ourselves. We do, because we've been raised with that. But our ability to be able to trust ourselves becomes inconsequential when I move to a new dimension. The the question is, can you take the trust that you have in yourself and can you invest it in Him? You're never going to invest it in Him if you don't have a relationship with Him. Why? Because I can't trust somebody that I don't know and somebody that I don't know loves me. It's because you love me that I trust you. The reason my kids trust me is because they know that I'd give my life for them. That's why they trust me. You can't trust a God that you don't know. If you don't know him, you may reverence him, you may honor him, you may pray to him, and it's great that he's out there, but you're never gonna trust him because you don't know him. Who are you? Who I am becomes so important and so consequential in the things of God because my ability to recognize what I'm capable of is gonna be determined by the way that I see myself. How I see myself to the exclusion of God versus how I see myself in partnership with God is a very different equation, and it looks very different. It's important for me because the fundamentals of my heart become those things that God is interested in. Those things that He can take and He can influence and He can take the things of Him and He can bring about change and transformation. He can grow them, He can elevate them, He can expand them. And as He begins to take them and mold them and and maneuver them, what ends up happening is it moves us to a place where my future begins to change and it becomes a reflection of who He is, not a reflection of what my past looks like. Samuel moves into that space. Be careful when you're walking with God because we're still natural and our natural disposition is to always fall to natural things. And so we look at somebody and we look at their size and we look at their stature and we look at their training and we say, this must be the one. And God says, stop! You're looking wrong, Samuel. Open your eyes. He's not talking about his natural eyes. He's talking about his spiritual eyes. He's like, I didn't call him. I'm just Sorry. Sorry see what's happening in the space because sometimes we miss it understand there is an intimacy of connection that's happening right at the moment between samuel and god they're interacting there's stuff happening in the world there's stuff happening out in the environment there's stuff happening out here but the intimacy and and basically what's driving the situation is the connection between god and samuel right now samuel's like he's not the one and you know uh, sorry, God saying, he's not the one. And you know, Samuel's there sitting thinking, I've asked him to bring his kids. And here they are. They're all standing in front of me. He didn't know that there wasn't another one. But he gets to the end and he says, Jesse, it's wrong. God said, no. Is there another one? He didn't know. And Jesse says, funny you should mention it. <laughs> Forgot about him. <laughs> what happened? What happened? It was because in that space, Samuel was living in such close connection with God. He was able to get to a place where he said, this is not what God is looking for. There must be more. Where is it? Jesse, there's got to be something else because this isn't, this doesn't fit the bill. Oh, let me bring my youngest son to you. He's a young boy. And he brings him and Samuel takes one look at him. And God says to Samuel, he's the one. Anoint him as king. When was the last time you lived in dialogue with God as you engaged life? That's the calling. That's the invitation. That's what your Christianity is all about. Living in such close, intimate connection with him that I hear his voice and he hears what I'm asking him. And he gives direction and impetus to my life. And so in this place he goes and he He operates in a dimension which is different to where David is right now. Because he's at a place of such intimacy with God, because he understands the will of God, because he's been introduced into that space as a result of purpose, he takes the presence and he takes the purpose and he goes and meets with David and he says, i got two things to give to you. Number one, I'm going to give you the will of God. You're going to be king. He didn't leave him with the will because the will's not good enough. He said, I can give you the will, but more than that, I'm going to give you the presence. If I don't anoint you and the presence of God doesn't come upon you powerfully, you'll never realize the will of God in your life. What is he doing? He's sitting saying, I'm setting you up, David, because where you are right now, you are called to something much greater than what you realize. You are called to a position that you may not feel comfortable. Perhaps you can't even identify with it. But the fact of the matter is what I'm giving you right now is not only going to give you vision and give you some direction for your life, but I'm giving you the empowering to get there. He's giving him something and saying, understand this, David. What I'm gifting you with right now is designed to change your life and move you into something new. Amen. David's in that place and he's a young boy. It would be like me walking and telling one of my sons right now, you're not a great news for you. You're going to be a president of the United States. They'd be like, that's great, Dad. <laughs> that sounds really That's Dad talking, you know. But the presence came on him powerfully, and he realized, hold on, this is more than something that's just motivational. This is something more more consequential. He recognized the importance of the situation, but I don't think he realized the significance of it. There's something that happens in our lives That is significant. That that is important. It's when we get born again. But we don't always realize the significance of it. There is great significance because his presence comes into that space. He anoints him. But from that moment on, David never went to bed and slept in his shepherd tent and woke up in the morning in the castle. There was a journey that was gonna happen between where he was and what had been given to him and his realizing and walking to the fullness of what it means to be king. Why? For a few reasons. Number one, David was wrapped up in his world. He was completely, why does this keep knocking? Is it, is it me, or is it? Okay. If Babette says so, I believe her. Um, what is I telling you? He's got a journey. He's got a journey. David's got a journey that he's got to go on. Why? Because he's going to discover some things on the journey that are going to change him. He's going to discover some things on the journey, and the journey is designed to take him from one dimension to another dimension. The journey is designed to elevate him out of his world and out of his reality into God's world and God's reality. He's designed to elevate him and take him to a place because he doesn't wake up and all of a sudden it's there. The reality that we live in is defined by very much by who we are, because that's where we moved into a space. We were born in it, and we lived in it in isolation and in independence outside of God for so long. And so we've defined that, and that world has become so commonplace to us, it's defined by us. The thing is, God's there's no space for God in that place because I'm the source of my life. And until God can take us and bring us to a place where I'm able to migrate from me being the source of my life, but He can become the source of my life, what ends up happening is I can't really walk into the destiny and the ultimate purposes that He has for my life. So he was going to have to learn some things. The other thing is that he's going to have to learn is this. When Samuel met with him and prayed with him, the presence came upon him. He hadn't had that presence upon him like the way that before. Somebody new has moved into the space. He didn't know God in that way. And all of a sudden, he's having to realize that from this moment on, his journey forwards is going to be defined by partnership with God. And so part of the journey and part of the growth process is number one, recognizing the fact that I have the presence of God with me. Secondly, being able to become aware of the fact that I need to develop an ability to be able to relate to his presence. How do I get to a place where I can hear him and, and he can interact with me and give me some stuff? And so that relational component becomes really important. And then there's the big shift of trust. Because ultimately, the presence with me is to become the source of my life. Because what I can do with God as the source of my life is very different to what I can do with me being the source of my life. So there were some things that David was beginning to walk into, things that he was beginning to recognize, but it was the purpose and the responsibility of the presence with him to not only introduce him to the fact that he has a destiny and that he has purpose, but to begin to walk him into it, to begin to groom him and prepare him so that he can walk into purpose and ultimately realize the destiny that God had prepared for him. There is something so wonderful. The moment that you got born again, two things that were consequential happened. The one thing that was consequential was this. The moment you got born again, the Holy Spirit came and He began to work with you. He not only did a job in you, but He came to reside with you. Amen. There were two big things there. You see, when God comes into our life when we get born again, He comes with the plans and the purposes for your life. The the challenge with it is when he comes into our life, we end up having to embark on a very similar journey to David because he comes into our life and what he says to us, what the word of God says to us is your eye hasn't seen and your ear hasn't heard the things that God has prepared for you. In other words, God has got so much that he's prepared for your life. The thing is he knows about the purposes he has for you. He knows about the destiny that he's planned for you. We don't. We don't know it. We haven't seen it, we haven't heard it, we have no concept of it. But he says, don't worry about that, because the reason that he came to dwell with us is so that he could walk us into it. Amen. So he could walk us into it. God is wanting to do something, not only in us, but with us. So he, he comes in, and we, we get to the place where we recognize, I want to be able to relate I want a savior. I need somebody to come into my life and to change the dynamic. I want to have a relationship with God and who he is. And in that space, he comes in and we are born again. I want to have a look at Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 and 27. Now, Ezekiel is prophesying right now because he's Old Testament. And so what he's doing is he's seeing a day when something's gonna happen. He's seeing a day when all of a sudden, Christ is gonna come and make provision for us, which is not available to them because they're in the Old Testament. And he says, this is what's gonna happen. He's gonna come and he will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out of your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. He's gonna do something in you. But he doesn't just stop at that. There's a second part to it is this. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. When we get born again, so often we become... We get very excited about the fact that the life of God has come in and it's changed us. It's transformed us. It's made us brand new. We celebrate the fact that I am technically saved. I'm a new creation in Him. All things are passed away. All things have become new. I've become the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm as justified as I'm ever gonna be. I, I have the life of God living on the inside of me, which is totally de- redefined who I am. I'm on my way to heaven. Those are all good things and those are wonderful things. And those are things that we should celebrate with regularity but too many christians stop at the celebration we're celebrating everything that god has done on the inside of us we're celebrating his provision for all of those things and that's well and that's good the fact of the matter is the best part is the second half but i will come and i will dwell with you All of a sudden, I begin to recognize it's not just about what he's going to do in me and make me brand new, but his presence is coming to live with me. How many Christians do you know that live from the same place as Samuel? How many Christians do you know that live from the place that David was invited to live from? Live from the presence of God, living with you in an intimate way. When the Spirit of God came upon David, it was upon him, but it wasn't David. It went with him, but it wasn't him. David began to walk with the presence of God with him. The moment we got born again, not only did God come in and God make us new and justify us and make us righteous. You know why he did that? Because he was creating a nest for himself. God always has to have a dwelling place. When God created Adam, what he did was, he wanted to live with Adam, so what he did is he gave Adam a body. Why? Because when he gave Adam a body, he could breathe his breath into body, into Adam's body, and God was with man. In the Old Testament, we had the tabernacle and we had the temple. Why? Because God's presence needed a place in order for it to be with man. With the new birth, what ends up happening is he says, I'm not only going to be outside of you, but I'm going to be in you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to come in and I'm going to recreate you. I'm going to make you righteous. God needs to dwell in a holy place. I'm going to make you justified. Why? Because you're going to have an inner temple. And from that place, from that holiness, from that righteousness, from that justification, it creates a temple for me to come and live within you. He lives within us. He lives within us. Have a look at um, John chapter uh, 16, verse 13. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will guide you into all truth. Do you know what that means? It means God has a plan and God has a purpose for your life. And when the Holy Spirit is here to walk you into all truth, his job is to walk you into the realization of what that truth is. He's not there just to tell you that's right, that's wrong. He's there to introduce you to God's design for your life. It's so much bigger, it's so much more dynamic than simply being at a place where it's like, okay, I know morally what's right and wrong. Too many Christians live from the moral side of things. And there's nothing wrong with that. Believe me, in this day and age, we need more morality. But they've never realized the fullness of why the Spirit was sent. He was sent to walk you into the truth of who you were designed to be. He was there to send, he was sent to introduce you to God's plans and purposes for your life so that you could more, you could have a different future. A future future with Him. A future with Him. A shepherd. Have you ever thought about the life of a shepherd? I mean, think about this. You wake up in the morning, you go and get a whole bunch of smelly animals out of their what are they, what, what is, what is, out of their pen, their thing. You, you take them out of their pen, and you know what you do? You take them out to the mountainside, and you say, eat. And you sit and you watch them. Eight hours a day, watching animals eat. It's one step down from watching paint dry. Seriously, think about that. And you know what? When you wake up tomorrow, you're going to do it all over again. There's no end in sight. You know, it doesn't take very long before you feel like you're on that hamster wheel. By day three, you're on that hamster wheel. And you know what's hard about a life like that? You can't find purpose. You can't find purpose. We fill our lives with all kinds of functional stuff. And it's not to take away from it because our functional stuff, it has to happen. Gotta wake up in the morning, get the kids going, feed them breakfast, get them off to school. You gotta get onto 66 and fight the traffic and get to work and do your work stuff and finish your work stuff and then run home so that you can get the kids and then take them off to their practices wherever they need to go. And then come home and do homework and eat dinner. And And you know what, you wake up the next day and, and what, it starts running all over again. And you know what? It doesn't take very long before I realize I'm on the hamster wheel. And when you're on the hamster wheel, the hardest thing is to sit and say, I can't find purpose in my life. Is this it? Is this the way I was born? So we're introduced to setting goals. Goals are a good thing because if you achieve goals, you have a sense of accomplishment. As Jim always says, the endorphins kick in and it's like, bam, that's a good one but the problem with goal setting is you know what it never ends because when i've achieved this one what i gotta have another one i gotta have something else i gotta have something else something else has to propel me forward because if i doesn't what ends up happening is I've got no purpose god's not about that the thing about it is part of our journey with god is beginning to recognize that he's not inviting us to live from function but to live from relationship What? But things have to happen. Yes, things have to happen. But how do they happen? You see, sometimes what ends up happening is I think that we get so locked into our world and into our reality that we think in order for me to realize purpose, what it really means is that I have to have a geographic move. I have to have a functional move. I have to have a career move. I have to shift and change all the variables that are at play in my current reality because there's no purpose in my current reality. And what God's really saying is there's so much purpose in your reality. You just don't see it. You don't see it. But when you begin to live from His reality, when you begin to live from relationship with Him, what ends up happening is God steps into your reality. And what He begins to do is He begins to work and change you. Because when He works and He changes you, what ends up happening is my vision becomes elevated. And all of a sudden, I begin to see the same things from a different perspective. And all of a sudden, I recognize that it's not just about feeding children and clothing children and making sure that children have a bed to sleep in. But I'm raising legacy, and all of a sudden it's like a future generation for what could what what when we get God's vision on things, it changes the paradigm of our reality. We don't recognize purpose because we're not living from relationship, we're living from function. Wow. we're living from we doing stuff. As we get closer to him and as we get more intimate with him, what ends up happening is things begin to shift and things begin to change. And all of a sudden I recognize purpose on the hamster wheel and I never thought I could find it there. Mm, I never thought I could find it there. We try to find purpose in our world. but really it's going to be found in relationship. It's going to be found in partnership with God who's with me. So what ends up happening is God knows that. He's so smart. (laughs) Sometimes it, it, it takes a while for us to realize how smart he is and how ignorant we are. There's a reason that you have a journey to your life. Because when we meet God, we meet God in the context of our reality. And that's not bad. God is gonna come into your reality to meet you because that's where you are. You don't know any different. But what you're gonna find over time is that things are beginning are gonna to begin to change because what God wants to do is meet you in your reality but build a bridge so that you can walk into his. He's never gonna leave you where you were because what you can do in your reality is nothing compared to what you can do in his. He's going to shift some stuff on the inside of us. And so David goes out in the morning and I'm out just watching the paint dry. Just blue on those blades of grass. And all of a sudden he has a look in the distance and he sees something. Something comes into his reality, which shouldn't be there. It's called a bear. And God says, I'm so happy he arrived. Because you know why? this is an opportunity for you to encounter my reality and yours. Because people don't tackle bears, let alone kill bears. The thing about it is, the invitation that God extended to him was this. You know what? You can't do this in and of yourself, but I'm with you. And I'll tell you what, you and I together can do some stuff. And when you kill the bear, what ends up happening is, I've just stepped to a new dimension in my my walk with God. I couldn't do that before. I never encountered that before. I never realized God was with me in that way before. But all of a sudden, he met me in my need. And when he met me in my need... The way that it was resolved was in a way that I couldn't do. And it elevated me because all of a sudden a part of his dimension was built into my reality. And I took a step upwards and I was like, hold on a second. I'm not going to live life the same way anymore because I'm a bear killer now. And when you become a bear killer, all of a sudden things begin to change. Because suddenly I become aware of the fact that the greater one lives inside me. And all of a sudden I become aware of the fact that I can fulfill the will and the purpose purpose of God because greater is he that's in me than him that's in the world and suddenly some things start to grow and develop on the inside of me things that are growing inside of my heart that I wasn't even aware of I have a divine confidence on the inside of me and it's like bring it on what else have we got bring me something new into my life and so I'm looking for another bear and I'm ready because I've killed bears before and I can have another bear and God says I'm not bringing you a bear this time <laughs> now we can have it. A lion. A lion. <gasps> A what? <laughs> But you know why you kill the lion? Because I couldn't do it in and of myself, but I did it because of him. And the moment that he and I killed the lion, I stepped up to another dimension with him. And all of a sudden I've taken two steps closer to living from his reality. All of a sudden he came into my space and I recognized, you know what? He met me in my need. He took care of the bear. He met me in my need and he took care of the lion. And I began to change change because i begin to realize that i'm living from a different place he's with me and if he's with me maybe my perspective needs to change maybe my vision needs to shift maybe things need to be elevated in my life So good. He brings you to a place where I started off completely self-centric, all wrapped up in me and my needs and my wants. And God, where are you? Meet my needs. But all the time, he's taking you to places where you're moving from one dimension to the next. And before you know it, you find yourself in a place and it's like, hold on a second, this isn't right because it's got nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the greater One who's with me. And suddenly I realize it's not about me and my need anymore, but I've shifted and suddenly I'm aware of the greater one in me. And I don't like what's happening in my world, not because it's about me, but because it's about Him. When David moved onto that battlefield with Goliath, he moved onto that battlefield because he had stepped into a different dimension. I used to live in the dimension all about me and my world, and my life. But he stepped onto the battlefield, which was defined by the kingdom and the king. All of a sudden, he stood in that place, and he looked at the world, and he said, everybody here is looking to sit and say, where is God? You want to see his glory? You want to see his glory? The reason he stepped onto the battlefield was not because of David, was because of the greater one on the inside of me. I'm here for his honor. I'm here for his glory. I'm here for kingdom purpose. This is the truth. David never became king when he was knighted, when he was put on the throne of Israel. He became king when he stood on the battlefield and he killed Goliath. Why? Because he walked into his authority and he walked into railing and ruling when he walked onto that battlefield. Not when he was put on the throne. He's began and recognized his position as a king spiritually It was inconsequential, the fact that it translated into his natural kingdom because he never lived from that place. He ne- yes, he was a king and all the rest, but you read Psalm 23. I haven't got time to do it right now. Psalm 23 is all about his relationship and his love with God and who you are and who you've been to me and where you took me from and how you elevated me and how you took me from one dimension to the next and how you introduced me to your reality and your world and how you introduced me to your vision and how you introduced me to what it is to live in intimacy with the great one being with me. Yeah. So, good. Amen. Come on. so good. Can I share a few thoughts with you? Um, I just these things like oh, I'm concerned, I'm concerned for the body of Christ because I think. that we're so casual with the presence. We don't recognize we're dealing with God. I think if God actually had to manifest himself in our presence, we would drop to our knees and be like, oh my God, help me. But we're casual and laissez-faire. Live the good life. God's here to me, it's not about that. I, I, I touched on this last week and I spoke about, um, I was listening to the testimony of um, a high priest in the occult who got converted. And it was a long, it's a long three-hour number. But there were so many things in there and parallels that struck me because the, the, the commonalities, because both the dark world and the light world are dealing with the spirit realm. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them are. And it's interesting to see the application between the two of them. And the funny thing about it is, I'm amazed at how people who are involved in the occult will give their life for it. But we're casual about it. We won't even go to a prayer meeting. It's like, eh, it's raining. Extra cup of coffee. We don't recognize what God wants to do. It was funny because he was talking about the fact that when he was possessed, by the demonic he said I could feel it he said I knew there was a foreign body with me I was aware of myself and I was aware of the body I was aware of myself and I was aware of the fact that there was something else with me not only with me but there were times I could actually feel it in my being it would move in my body and I thought about that and I thought he lives from a different place from most Christians Most Christians are totally oblivious to the fact that I have God with me. But he's aware of that with regularity. Everywhere he went, it was like, you know what? I'm directed by what's on the inside of me. And when I went to that place, what was on the inside of me told me what to do. And when I was obedient to its will, things happened. Why? Because dark powers came into operation. God wants to do that with you. God's looking to do that with you. He wants you to recognize that the moment that you got born again, you think that Satan has power. Satan was defeated by Jesus. Jesus has so much more power. And you know what? The spirit of Christ goes everywhere with us. And if we could just become aware of the fact that with intentionality, we begin to focus on the fact that his presence is with us and we allow that presence to have more and more influence on the inside of us. And we listen to what it is that he's wanting to do because when I hear his will and I'm obedient to his will, what he's sitting saying is, I'm just looking for a body. To do something in this world for me. I don't need you to do it. I'm not asking for your power. I'll do it. But if I say to you, go and lay hands on them and anoint them, do it. Why? Because he will fulfill it. He just wants to use your body to do it. We think that that's so foreign to us, but it shouldn't be. Because that's how Jesus lived. Jesus lived in constant recognition of the fact that the spirit of of the, that the spirit of the father was with him. I only do the things the spirit of uh, the father tells me to do. What is he saying? I'm aware of the fact that there's presence with me. And I'm listening to the presence all the time. And when he tells me to do something, I do it. And then when things start to happen, it's not because I did anything. He says, the presence who is with me, who told me to do it, fulfilled it. It was the father who does the works, not me this is what it means for you. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. He made you new, but he's not asking you to do it. What he's saying is, I want you to live in partnership with the fact that I am with you. And I want you to be at a place where I recognize the difference between me and him. And I live at a place where it's no longer about my will and what I want to do and what I'm interested in and how I feel and what I think. It's all about Speak to me, Father. Speak to me, Spirit of Christ, what, it is that, what is it that you're looking for in this space? It's no longer I who live, but you who lives through me. It's relational. It's not functional. Our ability to be able to relate. If you're born again, he is with you. If you've never been intentional about recognizing and walking with the with presence, do it. I've been trying to do that the last couple of weeks. Through the day. Thank you that you're with me, Spirit of Christ. I want to thank you that you lead me and you guide me. I become overtly aware of the fact that his presence is right there, and I focus and I intentionally concentrate on that. Why? Because I'm wanting to build it into my life and into the context of my reality as being something that's consequential, that I'm overtly aware of, that I pay more and more attention to, that I'm not dismissive of and just run around and live my life. Why? I'm wanting to be intentional about it. When we get to that place, it'll completely change your life. And I mean in a a very practical sense. And I'll tell you why I say that. Because when you take your eyes off me, and I put my eyes on him, what ends up happening is things begin to change and things begin to come. I become, rather than functionally minded, I become relationally minded and I want to know more about who he is. And as I begin to to know him and realize him and I begin to experience his influence in who I am, all of a sudden things start to change. It's when he meets you with the bear that all of a sudden there's something that happens on the inside of me and it's like, you know what? I think I can trust him. I think I can trust him. I think part of the challenge we've had very often with, in Christianity is that we put the cart before the horse. We want to teach people that you need to have faith to be able to walk into and know God. It's not right. What happens is when you, when you know and you connect with who he is, What will end up happening is it will translate and the fruit of that relationship will be something called faith. There's a reason why the Bible says faith works by love. What is it saying? When I connect with you and I get to know who you are, when I allow who you are to inform who I am, when I I, I feel your love and your connection for me, when I move to a place where I recognize that you would give anything for me, all of a sudden something builds up on the inside of me and it's like, you know what? I think I can trust you with this. (gasps) Where did that come from? It never came because I built it up. It came because I lived out of relationship. And what was birthed out of that relationship was something called a sense of divine trust. We call it faith, but that's really what it is. It's like, you know what? I can take things and I can take you at your word and I can walk into realities with you because I trust you. Everything that God does with us and everything that we talk about has everything to do with relationship. When we talk about righteousness, righteousness is an invitation. Experiential righteousness is an invitation to take all the things that He has for us and everything that He is and bring us into relationship with Him. And sit and say, what do you want to do here? How do you want to change this? That's what holiness is all about. Holiness is all about sitting saying, oops, I see a part of myself that isn't in relationship with him. Gee, I wonder what happens if I take that and I bring it into relationship with him. What would he want to do with that? Holiness is everything in our Christian walk is a unity between who I am and who he is and bringing those two together and creating something new as a result of that. What I want to leave you with today is this. I want to leave you with an awareness of the fact that when you got born again, not only did you become a child of God, but you became a nesting place for him to come and live in. You became a holy temple, and he put his presence in there. He is with you every day. He is not you. He is in you, but he's not you. He is with you, but he's not you. Become aware of the fact that where I journey, God goes with me start to build an awareness of that and start to begin to relate to that I want to thank you Father that you're with me I want to thank you that in this situation you're right here with me speak to me what should I do how should I handle this why? because the greater wonder is inside you will not you close your eyes? Father, I just want to thank you that you're such a good God, that you love us more than anything. And your primary desire and interest is to come and to meet with us, to have relationship with us, to interact with us, for us to get to know you in the fullness of who you are, to experience your love for us, I want to thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. And Father, even when we go through places where we don't give you the recognition that you deserve, I want to thank you that you're always there, drawing us, taking us on our journey, leading us to places where we become overtly aware of the fact that you are with us. I pray in the week that lies ahead, I pray that every person here today will move to a space where they become more focused on you. Build into our lives, I pray, intentionality, intentionality to, to get to the place where I'm always looking for you. I'm always listening for you. I'm always looking for your intervention. I thank you, Father, that any time we encounter your presence, we touch your power. Any time you show yourself up in our lives, things are never the same. I pray for every person's reality here today. I thank you that you meet us in that space. And any need that they have, Father, as they bring it into context with you, I want to thank you that you take them and you present yourself in that situation. I thank you for changes. I thank you for transformations. I thank you for testimonies. Bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.